I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Another ship going out. Another day of anger, bitterness, and doubt. I know how it happened. I saw it begin. I opened my heart to the world, and the world came in. Hello, Mary Lou. Hello, Miss Pearl. My fleet-footed guides from the underworld. No stars in the sky shine brighter than you. You girls mean business, and I do too. I'm the enemy of treason, the enemy of strife. I'm the enemy of the unlived, meaningless life. I ain't no false prophet. I just know what I know. I go where only the lonely can go. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one new song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly. And completing a trilogy is my pal, <laughs> Tara Zook. Hi, Tara. Hello again. Hi. Hello. <laughs> yeah, we, got, we have to stop meeting like this for Pete's sakes. I know. Well, I kind of like I said to you last time, you know, see you in three weeks. And yeah, that's <laughs> and there it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, I think this is I think it is safe to say that this third song will be the last mm-hmm. of the songs, the, the, the mysterious song droppings that I we're going so. to get, because now we know that it is tied, of course, to a brand new Bob Dylan album, Rough and Rowdy Ways. And good l- <laughs> the excitement of this is just off the charts. Before we get to the before we get to the song, I was up at midnight, the Bob Dylan account tweeted the mysterious graphic. I initially thought it was just, a, I don't want to say just, but just another song, not necessarily an album. But then, of course, uh, you know, I saw the word album in the tweet at midnight and I exploded because I was like, wow, I mean, it's a whole thing here. So before we get to the before we get to the song, I want to ask you, of course, Sarah, what your feelings are other than pure unbridled joy over the idea of a new album. But also, why do you think that as we now know that Murder Most Foul and I Contain Multitudes are going to be on this record, mm-hmm. why those two songs were dropped without an album announcement, and then why Why now? Like, why with this song would they do that? I know you're, I mean, who the hell can guess why Bob <laughs> Dylan's people do the things they do, but do you have any idea why that would be? No, like you say, I mean, I, it's almost like a teaser campaign, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you keep it rolling every few weeks, every few weeks, get the excitement built up, and then boom, there's the album. I'm not sure why he used that tactic. I think it's actually been very good. It started a lot of talk in the Dylan communities and fan groups and stuff. So it has got everybody kind of worked up because there was so much speculation about whether he actually was recording any new material, um, when it was going to come out. There were rumors and and people were kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll expect the new album when I expect the next volume of Chronicles, which is (laughs) 12th and ever or whatever. But no, it's been kind of an interesting couple of months with these rumors built building up and building up and the new songs and yeah really excited i i just am thrilled to bits and the format of this new album is, is interesting with you know you've got the nine songs and then murder most foul is being treated on its own <laughs> being given its own own space because it's as long as the side of an album anyway it's very sad uh, lady of the lowlands it's oh, got it its is. own thing it's got its own thing and yeah and i just i love the new album i don't know whether you want to talk about that or just wait until it comes out but yeah i'm really looking forward to it yeah i will i will have an episode uh, devoted to the album coming out when it comes out we're going to we are 
uh, me and another guest are going to do the whole album in one go because this oh, is actually up? this is actually the first time Bob Dylan has released uh, any new material since I started this show. Now he wow. did put out he put out Triplicate, of course, but that was yep. the covers record, yep. and I I sort of didn't really know how to even approach that, and so I kind of didn't. I just sort of <laughs> let it go by, other than mentioning it. But yep. this is the this is the since the beginning of this podcast, this is the first time we're hearing a new album from him. So I'm like, wow, this is a whole thing. And I'm just amazed by it. We do want to talk a little bit about the record just because I love this record album cover. Uh, I mean, yeah. I just did, a, I just did the first Bob Dylan video talking about my favorite Bob Dylan album covers. And then of course, like two days later, he drops a new album cover <laughs> and it's already one of my favorites. I don't know if I'd put it in my top five, but that photo, which we yep. now know is of uh, a London club from the 1960s. Yep. Uh, these people dancing it, it's, it's it's everything I liked about the Oh Mercy cover, except it's real people. And yeah. and boy, the title of the record, Rough and Rowdy Ways, which mm-hmm. is, of course, a Jimmy Rogers song. Everything about that title suggests fun in mm-hmm. a way, like a real rough-edged fun. Yeah. And that is something that, to me, this song delivers in spades. So oh. I am just... It was just everything I wanted that I was up until I think three in the morning listening to the song over and over and over, just trying to learn all the words. Well, I did. I, I got up the next morning because I knew I'd, I'd shared the tweet on Facebook and Twitter and and I was going to bed and I said to Walter, you know, I think there's going to be another new song released. <laughs> but of course, the middle of the night over here and I got up and as soon as I saw the new song, played it like I lost count after seven times that they're, they're mm-hmm. just literally on repeat over and over again oh i love it so much but the new album yep the cover is fantastic and there's the photograph as well with jimmy rogers and the carter family on on the when you fold out the the album mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the jimmy rogers photograph and it's just they all look so gangster they all look so <laughs> like cool you know when you talk about the carter family and jimmy rogers and they've got the trilby hat and the women look like gangsters moles and looking a little bit seductive and it's like, oh yeah, this is it. This is the whole swagger that we've got going on. This is it's attitude, and it's just what we needed right now. I felt like, well, we'll talk about we'll talk about the song, but I think this album is going to be awesome. Can't wait to hear your podcast on it. It's going to be brilliant. Uh, well, I hope so. Uh, it, it, it is. It, it was <laughs> when I sat in, and you know, look, I really enjoyed Murder Most Foul. I really enjoyed I Contain Multitudes, <laughs> but. About hmm, thirty seconds into this song, with the with the that crunchy guitar riff that's mm-hmm. going on, I immediately was like, "Yes, like, <laughs> this is what I wanted." I, was like, I know yes, exactly this... what you mean. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. The word swagger is that you know. Yes, my my main takeaway from this song is just this feeling of and and you know we'll we'll, we'll discuss it about what your theories are. But my th- and I always have a, a little bit of a tough time. With these songs sometimes, with Bob, even though I have a podcast about it, sometimes I I have a difficulty grasping what it is he's trying to get at or what even I'm getting from it necessarily other than bits and pieces. But I felt like I hooked into this thing immediately, Mm -hmm. and it was mostly from the verse that I just quoted, the third verse, which was the enemy, I'm the enemy of treason, the enemy of strife, I'm the enemy of an unlived, meaningless life. Mm I ain't no false prophet. I just know what I know. I go only where the lonely can go. And my vision of this song is a person, not necessarily mm-hmm. a musician or not even necessarily Bob Dylan, a somebody who has been gone for a while. They've been they've been somewhere else. And now they're back maybe to their home or they're back to where they were. And they have they are gobsmacked at the desolation they have found. Right. And they, they are coming back. 
as this sort of avenging angel of like, yes. what is all of this shit? It's- Yep. And it's this guy is coming in and it could be and when I say guy, it's only because it's a male singer, but it could mm-hmm. be anyone, of course, a man or a woman. But yep. it's this person coming back as like, wait a minute, all right, we're here to set things straight. Yeah. That is the vibe I get from this song. Oh, completely. Yeah, it's funny. I, I like when there's some parts of it as well where where I first listened, it reminded me of more like a more a more um swaggering and attitude filled um, ain't talking. It, it, it reminded mm, yes. me of that, where somebody's walking through this desolation, going, "What the hell has happened? I'm gonna, you know, we're here to take names and kick butt and get things yep. sorted out." And that's how I felt when I'd listened to the song. It was like I felt two inches taller, you know. <laughs> like I just, my head was higher. I was two inches taller. I was like, yes, it was, you know. And you said that guitar riff, which it actually comes from. It, it's literally no for note from um, if loving is believing it's called the song it's from sun records and it's by a guy called billy the kid emerson it's a rock and roll song from 1954 and that's soon as you're like oh yeah this is it this is what i've been waiting for um dylan's you know he's back he's he's uh, and you know i can kind of almost imagine him when i when i listen to the song i can imagine him standing at the microphone this is going to be a killer song live oh man i said that on twitter this thing is going to destroy when it's played live yep so i can imagine him standing at the microphone with his chest out with his eyes narrowed the way he does when he's got attitude and he growls that (laughs) out and i had that picture in my head of him recording the song and having that like standing at the mic and just like taking the world on um and yeah it just made me feel two inches taller when i finished listening to it i was like yeah this is what we need right now yeah i felt i felt like you could hear the band smiling as they were playing this you could just especially garnier you could just picture garnier just really enjoying absolutely Uh, yeah i mean he again this this song is it's funny that you make that connection to ain't talking because yeah the guy in ain't talking or again the person in ain't talking is beleaguered by this by all the destruction they find but this guy is back and he's like again he it's almost like Tashiro Mufune in the Seven Samurai or something. Right, like right, right. They're bringing this guy in to protect the town, and he's just going to kick ass. I mean, the, the yep. fourth verse, which, by the way, I love that they've already got the lyrics up on BobDylan.com. Thank you very yep. much, people who manage uh, Sony Music. And it's I, um, two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I'm the I'm the first among equals, second to none. I'm the last of the best. You can bury the rest. Bury them naked with their silver and gold. Put them six feet under and then pray for their souls. What are you looking at? There's nothing to see. Just a cool breeze encircling me. Let's walk in the garden so far and so wide. We can sit in the shade by the fountain side, which is I love that this person is romancing somebody. Just come on. Let's go to the garden. Come on, we'll have fun. You don't know me, darling. You never would guess. I'm nothing like my ghostly appearance would suggest. I ain't no false prophet. I just said what I said. I'm here to bring vengeance on somebody's head. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's <laughs> yeah, that's it. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, there's a couple of other verses there, but that section, that whole section, it's just, it's amazing. You go from this peaceful, serene garden by the fountain side. Again, it's almost like ain't talking, same kind of imagery, very seductive, very cool and peaceful. But it's also this fire and vengeance. And he's looking for the Holy Grail, which is a form of immortality in legend. And, you know, this song is just, it is out there. It's powerful. It's kicking butt, taking names and giving us strength for these times, I think. Well, for me, it is anyway. It's, it's, uh, it's really touched me, this song. Really good.
Yeah, I, you, you mentioned it. said, I've searched the world over for the Holy Grail. I sing songs of love. I sing songs of betrayal. Don't care what I drink. Don't care what I eat. I climbed a mountain of swords on my bare feet. Put out your hand. There's nothing to hold. Open your mouth. I'll stuff it with gold. Oh, you poor devil. Look up if you will. The city of God is there on the hill. And then the, there's a, the ninth verse. Hello, stranger. Hello <laughs> and goodbye. You rule the land, but so do I. You lusty old mule. You got a poisoned brain. I'm going to marry you to a ball and chain. I've already seen all over the internet what people yep. think he's referring to in that verse. Yep. I think anyone who is not a sociopath <laughs> is 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 upset by the way the world is being uh, run yep. at this point. To me, I heard that verse and I'm like, yeah, that has that. There's one meaning to this you, verse. <laughs> you made you made a comment on Twitter, and I was like, yeah, and on Facebook, and I was like, yeah, Rob gets it. That's that's yeah, where I'm coming it, from too, and. And you know that that verse. I, when I was making notes, I, I, I noted down. This is this is a really difficult verse to talk about, just because things at the moment in this world are so tribal. They are so split. And um, but it, I mean, it's definitely the line there. Um, you rule the land, but so do I. It's these. It's the leaders. I mean, you know, we can talk about even over here in Europe, in Britain. These leaders, they think they rule everybody and can do what they want to do. But it's a reminder there. You rule the sand, but so do I. We're a democracy. We're a republic. We're, we're free people. You know, we've got power, too, if we want to tap into it. And, uh, yeah, it's a great verse, that one. Yeah, it, it really, it's like I said, it was it, it just immediately bored into my brain of like what I think he's getting at here. Yep. And again, I like the idea you rule the land, but so do I. It's like, you know, I may this the person who's speaking may not be directly attached to the levers of power, mm-hmm. but they've got power in a way that the, those people do not. Mm-hmm. And and this person is coming back sort of to claim it. And then the song ends with, you know, darling, the kind of life that I live when your smile meets my smile. Something's got to give. I ain't no false prophet. I'm nobody's bride. Can't remember when I was born, and I forgot when I died. And and you mentioned the thing about Holy Grail, mm-hmm. which is the search for immortality. I again that final line. I can't remember when I was born, and I forgot when I died. To me, then elevates this from the the person who's speaking or this thing that's speaking is not even a person anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a it's a spirit. It's a feeling. Yeah. And again, that is what I got from the song. Like you mentioned, you felt two inches taller. I, I this felt this song feels like a call to arms it in does. some ways it really does i mean it, it sounds like i'm gonna recruit my army from the orphanages you know i yeah, mean it's got absolutely. that kind of feel to it yeah people have got nothing to lose um, and it's you know it's um there's so many it is like it's got this ethereal timeless quality to it you know he says he's got a ghostly appearance and he's talking about his guides from the underworld like he's come from another plane you know mm-hmm. another reality it's it's like it's an unearthly feeling that defies time and space and life and death and yeah i i think it's very powerful actually there are a couple of things that i and that were triggered verse six when he says um you don't know me darling you never would guess i'm nothing like my ghostly appearance would suggest I think that that's a theme that goes all the way through a lot of Dylan's stuff. We did this in I Contain Multitudes, too, of people thinking that they know him, but they don't. You know, everybody has a public face, and only people who are very close to each other ever get to know the inner workings of who someone is and what they're all about. And I think with Dylan, I mean, with the line before as well, what are you looking at is nothing to see. I think there's, there's always this feeling that he's being watched, he's being, you know, 
intricately examined and everything layers pulled off and people feel like they know him but they actually don't and you know he's like you know don't underestimate me as well you know i think people maybe he's not that physically large and he is <laughs> um, you know he's an older older bloke now and and you know but don't underestimate him because he's he's ready for for vengeance and and he's still got a lot of fight left in him yet which has been a theme of a lot of his songs um but the there was a line that I thought of from uh, Spirit on the Water when he said in uh, in that song, he says, I'm as pale as a ghost holding a blossom on the stem. And, you know, so there's this kind of um, ethereal, spiritual kind of quality to it, which I really like. And there was a there was a line, I've searched the world over for the Holy Grail. That, that made me think of change coming on, feel the change coming on, um, mm. you know, been looking the world over far out into the east that one was that and I, I just it's that constant moving it's again it's like eight talking and it's just this person is constantly on the move and yeah i love all of that kind of uh that kind of ethereal quality to it that makes it not so material what do you make of the the, the opening verse because i mean again i love the the opening the first two lines another day without end another ship going out another day of anger bitterness and doubt which you know uh, to me it's like well that's what it's like to work every day you know just <laughs> another day of this but then i know how it happened i saw it begin i opened my heart to the world and the world came in i mean to me I, that feels very uh nietzsche you know i, I gaze yeah. into the abyss and the abyss gaze also into me kind of that's, thing that's a good that's a good analogy absolutely i mean notes that i made when i was listening human existence were the two words that I wrote down for those opening lines. It's that, you know, every day just goes on and on and, you know, another ship goes out, you know, that's kind of like business. It's trade. It's, you know, things are always, always going and just never, we're full of bitterness and doubt because I think this, this whole song to me, when I listen, it's about how society doesn't actually foster the best in humans it's 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 a very damaging society that we live in a lot of people are full of doubt um a lot of people the system i'm going to call it i don't want to get all like hippie and start talking about the man and you know start being like jeff bridges and the dude you know but but it is kind of this feeling that society is just not healthy for people it's not good for Mm. people it leaves them feeling bitter it leaves them feeling disconnected full of doubt um and i think that 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 beginning part is definitely looking at that human existence and then like you say the almost Nietzschean um opening my heart to the world and the world came in and it's it's kind of he's being very generous when he gives the songs and the poems and he gives an insight into himself it's very vulnerable and it's almost like that advice to Geraldine there's this vulnerability that I think I can't remember the exact words but it's like never create anything you know it will follow you forever and misinterpreted kind of thing and I think that's what he's doing here, because when he says the world came in, it's almost like he's very generous and the world took advantage of that. You know, it's like a visitor that stays too long. You say, yeah, you can stay at my place for a night. And then three and a half months later, they're still there and not paying you anything for food or rent. You know, it's that kind of feeling. I get that edge to his voice when he sings the world came in. It's like, you know, well, it's my fault. I put myself out there. This is what I get back. Um, So I I just love that start. And then we've got the Hello, Mary Lou. Hello, Miss Pearl. I like those two. They're almost like innocent references. Um, Hello, Mary Lou. The Gene Pitney wrote the song, but Ricky Nelson had a version of it and other people recorded it too. And then there's the Miss Pearl is a Jimmy Wages song from 1957. And so they're both very kind of, you know, 
rock and roll, Time of Innocence, Bobby Soxer type songs, but to put them together with the underworld. It's such an amazing combination of, of sources. And it's almost like I was trying to think, I, I, I sat and asked myself that question, like, what does he actually mean in that verse? Like, fleet-footed guides from the underworld. Is it that they're leading him out of a negative place? Or is it like, I, I just sat and went over that line so much, probably overthinking it. Um, and still didn't come to any conclusion. But I almost felt like his muses, you know, it's almost like yes, it's yes. like it, they're part of the thing that, that give him inspiration. You know, all these songs that went before and the girls, he said that, you know, that's why he became a poet and a songwriter was because of the girls, right? With his uh, memories <laughs> right, of Echo right. Health yeah. and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's, it's almost like a feeling of a muse. And then you've got that lovely line, no stars in the sky shine brighter than you, which is nice. Uh, but then you've got, you girls mean business and I do too. So it brings it back down to this material. Um, this isn't this isn't a romantic thing. This is business. And uh, Oh, really? That's, to... how, that's interesting that that's, that was your take on that? Because I took it – I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. but that No, no. This is I, interesting. I sort, of, I sort of took it as you girls mean business. Like I took the – Mary Lou and Miss Pearl mm-hmm. are, as you said, they're records. And these are records that led him out – led the singer – I keep saying him. Yeah. Stop doing that. But the I mean – protagonist. Le- we all know. The protagonist. We all, yeah. yeah, we all know <laughs> who we're talking about. Led, led the prote- – perfect. Led the protagonist <laughs> out of their particular hell. Mm-hmm. And now this person is sort of ready for battle. And he was saying, hey, girls, you got me out of trouble. You got me you got me where I am. You meant business. And I do, too. Like I took yeah. it like you were serious about this. And I'm serious. I'm here. I'm sort of taking your place now. And I'm just as serious about this as you were. That's how I read. I like it. that interpretation. And it's funny as well, because um, I don't know why, but for some reason, there was the line in Honest With Me. And <laughs> it cr- it crossed my mind. And I'm like, why did it cross my mind? You know, when you start like joining these things, he says, I'm stranded in a city that never sleeps. Some of these women just give me the creeps. Mm. I'm like, and I don't know why I thought of that line with you girls mean business and I do too, because that's a very negative connotation for me to have. Do you know what? Maybe I need to see a therapist with this isolation. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. I, I you know, I, I don't think there's any, any I'm doubt making, about that. Making notes when I go on the couch. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But when we got to the the third verse, as I, I said earlier, like it was the third verse that really clicked into my head. The enemy of treason, enemy of strife, any of the unlived meaningless life. And I, I will say that is something that I have always uh, – talk about therapy. Uh, that is something I have always worried about, that I am not uh, doing as much with my life as I could. I'm not taking it as advantage of the of the opportunities that are in front of me, mm-hmm. and you know I joke about uh, I've I've mentioned to many people as a joke that it's like you know I have not lived too many places in my life I've I've mostly lived in South Jersey my whole life until the time I moved to North Jersey. Ooh, oh. wow! I'm Ooh. Vasco da Gama over here, <laughs> and, you know, and it, I just like that line really resonated with me of like the enemy of an unlived meaningless life if there is yep. anybody who has not lived an unlived meaningless life it is our singer oh that's, i mean it is our guy that is the truth and he certainly is the enemy of that is um yeah I, I you know what i think all of us struggle with that kind of thing i mean that's i used to have a sign on my wall um i was very i was very much a homebody i was born in born in liverpool 
And I stayed in Liverpool until I was 28. And that's when I got married to Walter and moved to Canada, to Vancouver. I remember everybody was shocked because I was the person where if I'd have had a yearbook, they put, would have said the, the most likely person to still be living in the same house in 50 years with a, with a house full of cats. You know, I mean, that, <laughs> that's like that, that was me. I was just, you know, very, very shy, very withdrawn. You wouldn't believe that now, but yeah. <laughs> um, and so until I got married, like I didn't do anything and and... Then slowly doors started to open to me to travel and work in different places. And I decided to take them. I was scared to death and I decided to take them because I've always had that fear, too, that I'll regret not not taking an offer that I've been given or whatever. And I used to have um, a sign on my wall. I lived in a place called Sigachik in the Arctic Circle for four years. And I had a sign on my wall, painted on my wall, and it said, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And underneath <laughs> that... I had a framed copy of my musher's license because I can run dog sled teams. I learned how to <laughs> run dog sled teams. This, this poor little woman from Liverpool who'd never been anywhere now is up in the Arctic Circle with, you know, sleds and dogs and ice rivers and wonderful things. And, yeah, it's, it, you know, I, I think that uh, everybody has that feeling, though, that they wish they could have done more with them with their lives. Everybody yeah. thinks that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm trying, like you said, and if, if there's anybody who has constantly pushed themselves out of their comfort zone, it is it is Bob Dylan. Oh, good Lord, yes. <laughs> I mean, my Absolutely. God. So, yeah. And it's, I, like uh, the, I like the last line that I go where only the lonely can go. I, I thought of Roy Orbison with that one, only the lonely. Um, and I know how much respect and, and, and uh, yes. feeling for Roy Orbison Dylan has. And it's that that feeling of solitude and contemplation that there are things that you can only do by yourself that you've got to right. tackle by yourself and and uh, you know that it's up to you to do it. You got nobody else to make excuses for you. I was going to make a bad political joke there, but I'm not going to. Yeah, <laughs> be good, Rob. I'm trying to hold myself back. Yeah, but yeah, that, that made me think of Roy Orbison. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then, then when you got verses four and five, which are just pure braggadocio, uh, which is fun to hear because again, we're we're all of us living under this just constant um, oppression, whether it be political, whether it be mm -hmm. tribal, whether it be germs. Right. We're all living <laughs> under this horrendous oppression coming at us from every conceivable way. And then right. to hear somebody say, you know, I'm the first among equals, second to none. I'm the last of the best. You can bury the rest. He sounds like a pro wrestler for he Pete's does. sake. He sounds like oh, when the boxers go, like Muhammad Ali used to do, you know, like he'd yep. go to the weigh-in and he'd be like, you know. Yeah. yeah, you're not gonna uh, you're not gonna lay lay a glove on me, you know. It's yeah, uh, right, exactly. He's like that yeah. fighter getting wound up before a fight. Like I'm the best, you know. Yeah, uh, bury them naked with their silver and gold. Put them in six feet under, and then I love what are, what are you looking at? There's nothing to see, just a cool breeze encircling me. Which a I've said on many episodes before. I am always so impressed with Bob Dylan's verbal linguistic skills. Mm -hmm. That he can put words in songs that are hard just to say. Right. Let alone sing in a song. And the word encircling is another one of those songs, another one of those words where it's just like, that's just a hard word to put in a song. But I love that just a cool breeze encircling me. Like, that is how cool a cat this guy is, is mm -hmm. he comes with like a breeze around him that is relaxing and sort of refreshing. I mean, that is that, that is how much sort of big energy this guy is is coming into the room Absolutely. with. It really is amazing. It is. And I love the, the softness. You talk about the the the, um, the linguistics. Dylan uses words very, very carefully. And that's almost got an onomatopoeic feeling to it because encircling is almost like a soft 
hissing sound like a breeze would make through trees or grass. And so you've got this very soft verse. So you've got, what are you looking at? There's nothing to see challenge at the beginning. But then just a cool breeze encircling me. Let's walk in the garden so far and wide. We can sit in the shade by the fountain side. All of those, the, the actual sounds of the words, they kind of contribute to that soft, breezy, relaxing. It's going to be cool and shady. And yeah, it's and in the middle of all this fire and brimstone and vengeance, he's really getting vengeance, especially on the greedy. He, he's mm-hmm. he's having a go at greed here with the the, the previous verse with the, that you just that you just mentioned bury him naked with the silver and gold when you're naked you're really exposed as you mm-hmm. really are you've got nothing to cover you up so let's let's tear these people down and expose them for what they are and then bury them they can take all their trappings with them you know they can't use it in the next life or whatever you know um, but just you know we'll just expose them bury them, finish them, and then we'll pray for their souls and hope that they do better next time. It's, um, and there's another line a few, a few verses on as well um, towards the end, which also made me think of that. Open your mouth, I'll stuff it with gold. Mm. Like, this, is, this is a little, interesting, a little interesting thing, is that one of my favorite politicians, about, like my first degree was in politics and I grew up in a very political house. And so like I've been surrounded by politics my whole life um, and I've been an activist my whole life. One of my favorite politicians, British politicians, is a guy called Enorin Bevan, Nye Bevan. And he was part of the government after World War II um, that was voted in. Clement Attlee was the prime minister. And they created the welfare state in the UK. They created the National Health Service with universal health care. They created the the education system so that every child will get a consistent education um, from cradle to grave, literally being looked after through all the stages of your life. And Nye Bevan was given the job of setting up the health service. And, of course, all the health service up to that point had been private. You know, people used to pay to go to the doctor's. Um, to the local doctors or pay to go to the hospital or there might be a charity hospital but it suddenly it was nationalized and this was structured and the doctors didn't like it at all they thought they were going to lose lots of money and they were just digging their heels and this wasn't going to happen but Nye Bevan did it he he offered them so much money and good salaries and the the resources and equipment and the new hospitals that really they couldn't say no. And so he actually pushed through. And in 1947, the National Health Service was created. And Nye Bevan was asked in an interview, how did you get the doctors to change their minds? Because there was so much opposition to universal health care. And he said, his actual quote, I stuffed their mouths with gold. <laughs> word for word. And yeah, huh. so, you know, I just went, holy, there's a, there's a good link. So yeah, I really do think, though, that this song is attacking the powerful and the greedy that's who he's coming for vengeance on the people who've caused the desolation and yeah really wow. interesting that is that's an amazing find tara that is <laughs> that is unbelievable that is, that is remarkable i mean i know on uh, over on expecting rain and i saw this show up on the pod on twitter feed that somebody on on that site uh found a lot of uh comparisons to the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Uh, oh, there's yeah, a lot of lines from that. yeah about there's a lot of lines about from from the Egyptian Book of the Dead about there's a line about remembering when you're born, forgetting when you died, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So and the stuffing wow. with gold, obviously, that's you know there's that too. Um, so I mean, they, yeah, this thing really does uh, at a certain point does. Give, give you that feeling of this is not just a person this is this mm-hmm. is some avenging angel coming in to yeah. clean up the mess 
that they've been going. And again, if we want to, if we want to take this too far, because if that's why we're here, um, I mean, (laughs) this, this, yeah, why not? This is, I mean, again, if I want to pursue the metaphor of, of, of this is someone who has been away for a while Mm -hmm. and they have now come back and they are dismayed at what they see. Well, this is of course his first new record in eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, he's not, he hasn't gone anywhere. He's been around. We've all seen him, but nevertheless, in terms of the words directly from his brain to right. us, this is something new. And after, I mean, there's been a lot of change in America and, and of course the world, but especially just in America, just in the last eight years since Tempest. Yep. Absolutely. I think you, I think you, that's a really good analysis. And I think that that does fit in as well with that verse. We were talking about the verse night. The, um, you know, you you lost the old mule, you got a poison brain. He's come back and he's seeing, you know, so if you just even look at the words poison brain, mm. what what is it poisoned with? Consumerism, greed, selfishness, immorality, all those negatives that lead <laughs> All of that. To, I can think of somebody who has all of that. Gee, checklist tick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and then he says, I'm going to marry you to a ball and chain, you know. Prison, that is, you know, imprisonment. I'm going to make you pay the price for what you've done. I mean, I think that's funny because he mentions being nobody's bride as well in that last, the last verse. And I thought that was interesting because I stopped and thought, why does he say I'm nobody's bride? Like, why did he use bride? And and that was an interesting kind of thought path that I went on. You know, I mean, I started thinking of the groom still waiting at the altar. But then I started thinking, you know, is he saying when he says I'm nobody's bride? What is a bride? You know, is it that a bride is supposed to be like in biblical terms, you look at like the, the subservience and and being chattel, being owned by the father and then being passed to the husband as property under the thumb of another person or as a bride? You know, someone who's like kind of dressing up, looking for a bit of be the center of attention for a while. Or you know, what is that significance of him saying I'm nobody's bride? Hmm. I just I like that line. I like the, the connotations that are in there. Yeah. I mean, I just think that uh, that's it. That, like, I think the sweetest line, if we're looking not at the vengeance, the sweetest line is also in that last verse. When your smile meets my smile, something's got to give. That's a great line. He can oh really turn. God. He can oh. turn somebody's head when he wants to. Jiminy oh. Christmas. And the way he sang it too. Yes. And it was, um, when I when I first heard him sing um, marching, was it marching to the city? He says with a smile that can make all the planets dance. I'm sure that's a line from marching to. The city. Right, which right. he repurposed into "Till I Fell in Love with You." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, yeah, that, that song then evolved into, yeah. Um, oh, I love Marching to the City. It's one of my oh, favorites. Me too. Um, me too. But I got that line, and I got that same, like, almost like the, the hairs on the back of your neck tingle a little bit when he <laughs> says it. Well, I mean, I'm female. And, <laughs> but, you know, it's like that. I don't know that when your smile meets my smile, something's got to give. I just thought, oh, what a great line. He's chatting people up and seducing them in the middle of all of this. He's, <laughs> whew, don't underestimate this man. Oh. <laughs> He's good, man. He's, He's good. Yeah, good. I have to say. You know, forget all these rappers with their bling and swagger. This is the villain. <laughs> He's teach- he taught them all how to do it, you know, and he's still out there. But, yeah. I, he, um... I'm glad you mentioned his vocal performance because that's something mm. we haven't really talked about and we, we should yeah. talk about it. Is yes, that uh, I love, again, he's got that. And I mentioned this in uh, when we did the I Contain Multitudes episode. Mm-hmm. He's got this this glint in his eye that you can <laughs> somehow hear yeah. uh, that which is just amazing because there's it's there's a certain amount of comedy in this performance. Yes. You know, it's it's this kind of like I'm coming in. 
with this swagger and and uh, kind of being the cock of the walk here. Right. And I kind of know that that's a little. I, I'm I'm a rooster crowing, right? And and I, you kind of know that I'm a rooster crowing, and I know that you know that I'm a rooster. And there's this kind of like it's kind of a joke, but not right. really. But maybe it sort of is. And it's just he's got that timber in his voice, and he has. I think I've mentioned this in other episodes, but I remember years ago um, uh, on the the Later with Bob Costas show, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, which has unfortunately just gone down the memory hole. But he had Paul Simon on uh, for an entire week uh, one one time, and wow. Paul, yeah, it was it was five like four episodes in a row of just Paul Simon talking. And Paul Simon paid a very big compliment to Bob Dylan, and he said that Bob Dylan was one of the greatest singers in popular history. And and Costas looked skeptical because I don't mm-hmm. think Costas is a particular Dylan fan, and so he kind of like asked. Simon to elaborate and Simon said well he said he found that Bob Dylan is able to convey multiple meanings with the same line thanks to just the timber of his voice and I was like yes that is exactly right and that Paul Simon smart guy uh and 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 to me it's like this song has that where it's like it's it's kind of a joke and that this guy is so puffed up about himself but right. yet but yet it's yet it you take him seriously but yet you know He's kind of kidding. It, it, the, the tension in the song is fantastic. And then, of course, as we talked about the riff, which is, feels like a, like a, you know, something a stripper would bump and grind to. It just has that <laughs> well, fun that, to it. It's amazing. Um, Brian Hyatt in Rolling Stone, he said that it's like a striptease blues. Yeah. You know, and it's got that like grinding rhythm to it. And Dylan's voice, again, we've had these two songs where it's so soft and lilting. Right, and right, melodic, right. But he's got that gravel back in this one. He's got that edge to it. You know what? I was just thinking of Paul Simon. You made me think of something. Another time Paul Simon said about Bob Dylan's voice, and I'm, I'm hearing it within this song too. He said... He said one like he was talking about himself and he said one of the things I can't do, one of my deficiencies that I cannot do, but Bob Dylan can do, is I I can't sound ironic. He said I sound sincere all the time. Like I can't get that <laughs> double edge on um, you know, he said, you know, Bob Dylan, he feels like you feel like he's telling you absolute truth, but also making fun of you at the same time or making fun of the situation or making fun of a certain person. And he can do that with complete sincerity, but also complete irony at the same time. And Paul Simon said, I can't do that. I just sound sincere all the time. <laughs> I, I can't I can't get those layers into my voice. And yeah, so that ambiguity in vocal delivery, I can hear the fun i can hear him smile i can hear the i hear a glint in his eye if that's something you can hear and yeah i just i can't wait for them to do this live it's a, such a pity that the tour's not happening at the moment Ugh. because i think this song is gonna be kick-ass live it's gonna be uh, yeah, this is gonna be a rave up like nobody's business yeah, it's uh, gonna yeah, be, this is gonna be so that. exciting you know obviously uh we know now we've heard three of the of the presumably 10 songs on this record i hope at this point that they don't release any more songs i, I mean I don't, I don't need to be sold anyway i didn't need to be i wouldn't need to be sold if i heard no songs but i i almost like okay now i just want to experience the album as the album yeah. i've already heard three out of the 10 songs i'm good 
Like, mm-hmm. I, and I'm sure if they release another song in two weeks, I'll <laughs> listen to it. There's no way I'm going to be able to resist. But yep. I kind of hope they don't. I hope that this announcement is it. Yeah. That it's here you go. They re- we're doing a record. You know, bang, here it is. And just, okay, keep silent until until we can put, until the record's coming out. I hope that that is the case because it's like, I don't, I just, there's nothing else that you'll need to tell me anything else. I've, I've already bought the damn thing on vinyl and CD through BobDylan.com. I'm your Mark. I just, that's it's all it. good. You've got me. You've wound me in. It worked. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, I feel exactly the same, but what I really like as well is that when I did my pre-order, none of the tracks are listed except for the ones that have already been released. It's yeah. like track one, track two, <laughs> I can take multitudes, track three, track four, yeah. you know, false profit. And you're like, this is amazing because it just leaves that, just leave that curtain covering the stage until it's ready to go up. I want to experience the whole thing. I don't want to peep behind the curtain and see them, the Wizard of Oz pushing the buttons, you know. I, I just want to experience the whole thing. And, yeah, I can't wait for the album to come. And uh, one of the things I did want to talk about before we finish up on this song is the picture that accompanies it, the picture of the skeleton, the one-eyed skeleton. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really love that. I think... That's another thing that, that, that Dylan's been doing really well at the moment is he's been using social media and using images and hashtags to actually add to the story, to add to everything winding up. And I just love that the tweet was the picture of the, the, the skeleton with the shadow of the hanging man behind. And the skeleton is dressed in, in fancy clothes. He's got a box like a mobster with a, like a gift box with a, you know, where mobster would have a gun in. It's actually from an old Pulp Fiction uh, magazine cover for right. the shadow. Yep, cover from the shadow. Yeah. Well, still, and he 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 wrote in Chronicles about how much he loved the shadow and all those other radio shows, the mystery shows um, that he'd listen to at night on the radio. And it's actually a mashup of two different covers by the same artist. So you've got the skeleton at the front. They've changed. He had a cigar in the original one, I think, and he's got a syringe in this one, which at this point in time is kind of meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the hanging man at the back. It's slightly slightly edited from from the original shadow but it's it's basically the shadow of the hanging man is from a different cover and and the the, the skeleton at the front and i just love that he released the twitter the tweet on twitter that's that's just the line you know what are you looking at there's nothing, <laughs> there's to, nothing see. to see and i'm like oh it's happening it's happening it's happening yeah um, you know but to tell people on twitter what you're looking at well i'm looking at your tweet because i'm waiting for something um, <laughs> But I just love that. I, I just think Dylan's getting so good, or his team, or whatever it is, is doing this, getting so good at using social media and winding people up <laughs> and teasing them and, and getting the interest going. Because I thought that was really clever. I think the picture was clever. I think that the tweeting has been really good the last few weeks with with these releases. Looking forward to the new album. The new album cover looks stunning, and Dylan's voice in this is just amazing. I, I'm so excited about what's to come in the next few months. Yeah. It can't be, can't be, it could not be better. I, I mentioned again on, I could not stop tweeting about this <laughs> the night that it came out because I was just so excited. But um, it's, this album's being released apparently on, I think it's June 19th, which is a Friday. <laughs> and it is, that is the, uh, the Friday before a, um, uh, a three day weekend that I just happened to be okay. taking. Um, I always take off, I try and take off 
the, the summer solstice. It's my favorite day of the year, and I try and take it off when I can. And so I'm. We have we have a three yeah thank you we have a um, three day weekend coming up. So I, I I warned my girlfriend Kelly. I said you're going to have to listen to this record a lot. You're going to be hearing it a lot. I'm sorry, I can't hear. It. I'm going to be learning all these words and adding these songs to my lexicon and whatnot. But, so. You know you know what that's a that's a, that's a sign things are going to last for a good long time if you can do a long weekend with a new Dylan album. Um, <laughs> I know I like when I met. Walter like one of the most amazing thing was like he's a big Dylan fan too and that's not actually how we met like that was just on the side but um yeah I found out he was a Dylan fan he had a lot of the same books we've got doubles of books and 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 stuff (laughs) and uh yeah you just know it's going to be great when that happens um but yeah I mean it's now somebody was telling me because obviously I'm, I'm not very good on U.S. holidays but they're saying June the 19th is called Juneteenth and it's uh, like a civil rights day. Oh, right, right. right. Like, um, yes. And of course, there is the quote from Martin Luther King in, in the song, I'm the enemy of treason, the enemy of strife. The enemy of strife, I think Martin Luther King had a quote about that, that he didn't want to cause strife. He was trying to cause peace and he was trying to cause uh, create a, um, a resolution to, the, to all the civil rights issues that were going on and all the violence that was going on. And so that is supposedly um, a hat tip to uh, Martin Luther King with that line, and it's being released on Juneteenth. So, um, Wow. Yeah, so that was just something else I had in my notes. <laughs> Amazing. That's, and, gosh, there's even stuff to discover on the release dates. Exactly. <laughs> and, of course, the title itself, False Prophet, Pope Benedict called Bob Dylan a false prophet in his book. He wrote a, he wrote a biography in about 2004, I think. And, of course, he was... Uh, Cardinal Ratzinger when Dylan played for the Pope in 97 and Pope Benedict was one of the ones who said Dylan shouldn't be playing for the Pope and for these children he's a false prophet and I think that probably stuck with Dylan and he's like no you can't call me that I'm not a false prophet because of course he doesn't even want to be a prophet right right he doesn't right nobody yeah he's like I'm not one I'm trying to that's what I'm trying to tell you people for 60 years been a voice of a generation and a prophet and a messiah and no it's not he's not the messiah he's just a very naughty boy Um, so yeah what a great song um and the album's coming up looking forward to it yeah this is just such an exciting time so well tara thank you once again uh we again i think we've completed our our trilogy this has been such a blast to be able to do these. And we only would really be able to do these if not for the coronavirus because I'm home and I'm taking time out of the middle of my workday to do this. So thank you once again. Your, the link to your page will be in the show notes. Of course, you should, mm-hmm. everyone should be reading what Tyra's writings are about Bob Dylan. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, again, thank you once again, my friend. And oh, I, I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it to your face so I embarrassed you. <clears throat> One of the best things that come from me ever doing this show in the first place is getting to meet you. This has just oh, been wonderful. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. And, and, I mean, me doing the show, it's, it's – uh... I've met so many great people through through doing this, and I, I just I love it. It's a lot of fun for me to, to record with you. And thank you very much for giving me the, the chance to do that. It's It's been great. And, you know, same right back at you. It's, been, it's, you know, it's one of the greatest things. Some of these Dylan people around here are so much fun. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, again, thank you. Uh, of course, everybody, uh, you can follow the show on Apple Podcasts, on our website, fryingwaterpodcast.com, Spotify, Stitcher. If you want to support the Fry and Water Podcast Network, go to patreon.com slash podcast, And there you can unlock various rewards. 
one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, another pledger who will remain masked and anonymous. And we have a new pledge, uh, new pledger, Pod Dylan supporter, Steve Cronin. So big thanks to Steve for his support of Pod Dylan. And, of course, we are always talking Bob, as I mentioned, over on Twitter at Pod underscore Dylan. One final thing before I sign off. This episode is dropping on Saturday, May 23rd. Of course, that is the day before Bob Dylan's birthday. Uh, so I've said over and over again, it's amazing that for a man uh, who we celebrate, his, we celebrate his birthday, he's the one that gives us gifts. Uh, the man just keeps on giving at 70, uh, 79 years old on May 24th. He will be releasing a brand new album. And it's just he never stops giving to us. And uh, there's just there's there's no way we can ever thank him for all that he's given us in the world. So happy birthday, Bob. Uh, hope that you have many, many more to come. So that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, take care, everybody. Stay safe, and we will see you later. Bye-bye. Another day they don't end. Another ship going out. Another day of anger, bitterness. I know how it happened, I saw it begin I opened my heart to the world And the world came Hello Mary Lou Hello Miss Pearl My fleet-footed guides from the underworld Stars in the sky shine brighter than